Hey friends, it's Kelsey Kemp, here to inspire and guide you as you answer the call. Tune in each week to hear me illuminate the biblical truth of what a calling actually is and how to find yours so you could create a career worthy of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. You won't just be hearing from me though. Some of the most incredible and purposeful people I know will be joining me to tell you their story of how God called them into careers that honor who they were made to be. So their work is now creating generations of ripple effects for the glory of God. Y'all ready? Okay, let's go. Y'all are in for a total treat. I had the extreme pleasure of interviewing my best friend in the whole world, y'all. So you're going to hear us go ham and be pretty weird because that's how it goes with your best friend. I would love to hear anyone interviewing their best friend and see how that goes. It's probably a party. And that it was. Let me, before I give you the little tidbits that you have to look forward to, I just want to ask, do you know what discipleship is? Pause. Think about it. What do you picture? Do you know what it is? Is that just a floppy term that you fling around and aren't quite sure? Because I don't know if you've probably read uh, or have heard of the Great Commission and that we're called to make disciples of all the nations. Is that just believers? Is that Do you just have to pray the sinner's prayer? Why does discipleship even matter at all? Well, today you're going to hear Renee talk about the life-changing effects of discipleship and the absolute importance of it. Quite honestly, you're going to hear her kick your booty a little bit, so get ready for that. And you are also going to hear not just about discipleship and Renee's journey with that and uh, also our friendship and our history and being in high school and all the things. We actually had quite a few surprises of the impact we've had on each other's lives that we actually did not know about. So I would highly recommend just for fun pretending to or doing a real podcast interview with your best friend. You're guaranteed to learn something about each other. Um, but one thing that you will hear in Renee's story is also her willingness and what happens whenever she totally gave up and was willing to release what she once thought was the plan for her whole life, which was to pursue a professional career in dance. Um, And she was willing to give that all up. And you're going to see how the Lord brought that back into her life and has called her according to his purpose. So quite honestly, you have to listen to this. I'm being straight with you because even though I have sat through a lifetime of sermons and been a part of churches and kind of been a part of the faith my whole life, um, Renee has taught me so many things in which she summarizes in this episode that I had no real operational knowledge of. Things that are vitally important to following the truth of what the word says, following the true gospel. So no matter if you think that this topic of uh discipleship is scintillating or boring or how does this relate to me just wanting a new job that I like to take take an hour okay listen to this while you're in the car you have to anyways I'm not gonna take any more time convincing you to do it you're already here all you got to do is stick around and witness the joy that is Renee Walters It's Renee. (laughs) My pal, my dude, my best friend in this whole world. I am so thankful that you're here and that you get to share about your wisdom that you have been spewing at me in the most gracious way since we were just littles, little teenagers in this world. (laughs) Me having zero wisdom and you already have some to share. So I am so excited. I specifically have seen throughout the years, what has it been like seven or eight, uh, probably around there that we've known each other. Amazing. Um, Since high school, whenever we met at Houston Ballet Academy, whenever for the first time you and I and Kirsten all moved away from home. And somehow our parents let us just like go to ballet boarding school, LOL what, in a new city. And so that's where the best friendships are made, right? Uh, We are so ride or die. Anyways, but like throughout all of our friendship, I have seen you 
being such a wonderful testament of following our first calling, which is the call to faith in a faithful life, um, following Jesus Christ and accepting um, his wonderful, gracious uh, forgiveness and atonement for our sins, and to make disciples of all the nations because of that good good news that has taken root in our heart. Um, and that is something that I rarely ever understood or it didn't really change my life, honestly, until um, not too long ago in my life. But all the while, in the years I've known you, I've seen you be such an example for discipleship. Before I had a single clue of what that was or what why it's important, even though the Great Commission in, what is it, like Matthew 18? You probably know this. Either Matthew 18 or Matthew 28. One of those. Look it up. Google Great Commission. It says, make disciples of all the nation, all the nations. Um, And I always thought that just meant believers, but you're an example of how that it's, it's much more than that. So Renee, I've been talking too long as I typically do. I want to hear from you. And so does everyone else. Can you please give a little bit of background? Who are you? Introduce yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I am Brene Walters. Actually, I'm Brene Johanna Walters. I was going to correct you if you did not say your middle name. (laughs) I was going to make you do it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that is me. I am 24 and a half, I think, right now, actually. Um, I am in transition to moving into Dallas, but I'm from the DFW Metroplex um, from my whole life. And I just completed my first season with Dallas Black Dance Theater, and then I will be joining them for the second season starting in August. Amazing. What an accomplishment. Oh my gosh, Renee. Incredible. I remember us being 16 and 17, and we're just dreaming of hopefully like future careers as professional dancers, and you made it. So, oh my gosh, that's just a little aside Every time that you say that you are a full company member with Dallas Black Dance Theater, it's just, oh, it like lights me up because you actually like the Lord has led you to fulfill that, that path and that dream that we had. Yeah. But, okay, Renee, well, yeah. Nay can you <laughs> tell me where you come from? Like, how did this all start? What were you interested in as a kid? Yes, I, so I... Uh, grew up specifically in McKinney, which is for all y'all, non all y'all folks. That's about 45 minutes north of Dallas. Um, so if you're in the Dallas area, McKinney seems super far out in the middle <laughs> of nowhere, suburbia. <laughs> but if you're um, from outside of Texas, then yeah, it, it's fairly close to the DFW Metroplex. And I grew up there. We moved to Texas from Florida when I was three or four or something. So really young. So I consider that my home hometown. I started dancing when I was six. So pretty early on, it entered my life. Mm. (laughs) Um, There's this, you know, that cheesy quote of like, I didn't choose fill in the blank, but <laughs> fill in the blank chose me. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I mean, like, dance chose me. <laughs> dance chose me. <laughs> um, but Same, bro. Like, I, once I got into my first class, I very quickly fell in love with it. And at the time, I wouldn't have understood even close the capacity of which it was going to infiltrate and influence my life. And obviously how much God had in store for me with it, but I did have a very immediate passion and connection for it. So by the time I was in second grade, I remember thinking, I want to be a professional dancer. And, you know, at that age, you can say a lot of things (laughs) and not (laughs) the gravity of what you're saying. So I don't think I understood even what that meant, (laughs) what that looked like. It was probably just like, I want to be on So You Think You Can Dance. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. um, So I say that to answer, like, what was I into or what was I up to? Dancing had always been a part of my journey. And by the time I was 
in second grade is when I had started dancing every day after school. Um, I started competing, so that took up most of my weekends in a given summer. And then shortly after that, I started even training for the summertime. So it was kind of a year, year round situation. Yeah. In it for life every day, every day, son. That's what we used to always say as we were at Houston Ballet, literally dancing every day, like eight (laughs) hours a day. Brutal. (laughs) Brutal. Um, And can you give a picture of also your faith background and how that developed over the years alongside dance and if they intertwined at all? Yeah. Um, growing up, I was exposed to Christianity quite regularly. I would say that being in the Bible Belt in Texas and more specifically even McKinney, Christianity was kind of a normal part of culture. Um, I would say McKinney is definitely family-based, and so there are a plethora of churches, even in McKinney, a small geographical area, but um, it's just kind of part of this Southern Bible Belt culture, Mm -hmm. and while I have a lot of dissonance towards that. (laughs) Me as well. (laughs) Plus, Dallas is like what's considered like the buckle in the Bible Belt. And I lived there for two years. And man, I'm sure we could talk about that for a whole nother podcast. But I could definitely see how that's a part of, um, it's something that like any Christian is aware of, if not like fully participating in like just cultural Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, in Texas I should say (laughs) I didn't say in Texas just because of the culture yeah yeah so I grew up around it exposed to it Um, my family was not specifically um, active in participating in Christianity but I would say there are memories or even seasons of my life where I believe um my, my parents specifically tried to allow us uh, to make that decision for ourselves. Um, so I went to church pretty irregularly growing up through elementary and middle school, but I was also dancing like a ton, a ton, and um, we weren't committed to one particular church. In middle school, there were a couple years that we had been going to a church more regularly, and I actually got involved with a youth group. So that's one of the landmarks, I believe, of what God was doing in my life, even before I truly knew who he was, uh, who Jesus was, God's mission for humanity, for me, and all of that. But that was the first time that I was exposed to people who loved me with a real clear purpose of Jesus loving me through them. Mm, And that was my, um, the youth pastors and then a couple of friends there. So that was influential in my journey. And then once I got to high school, um, truly, truly Kelsey and Kirsten were huge in my uh, journey because I had moved away and had all of these years of, seeing God in and out of my life or going to church in and out of my life, but never having um, consistent models of friends who loved the Lord and who were vocal about it. And I I have specific memories of both of you guys talking to people um, at Houston Ballet and me and inside being like, oh my gosh, they're so bold for asking like what oh. is about God or or just having an, a visual understanding of like they're your friend and they're also going to ask you questions that are not normal for teenagers to ask and how that is loving and not like weird or whatever. And um, just so the listeners know, we – the three of us would hike to church. <laughs> ah, it, n- literal um, like, hike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we didn't have a car. We took the bus. We had to walk, got yeah. stranded. Truly. So um, I really believe that was the spirit uh, continuing his work in my heart and my mind. And seeing that this God 
that I had perceived to be real was actually my father and he was an mm. infinite presence in my life and that he desired and pursued me personally and specifically. Um, so yeah, Kirsten and Kelsey were, uh, I would say the first friends that I had where my friendship was rooted first and foremost in Christ. And we were little dweebs back then. Oh, like, we were dweebs. We were punks, <laughs> like straight punks. Uh, also, I feel like I'm having, having an out-of-body experience listening to you say that because I just don't see how any of that actually describes how I felt about my life back then. Right. Actually, I feel that, um, I, I mean, I, I think that's just a testament to the Lord working through us no matter what's going on in our head or if we actually understand or grasp the whole truth because whenever I look back at the time I, I didn't have I wasn't um, reading the Bible I'm not sure I ever read it too much at all at that point um, everything was honestly just I know that this is like the most cringeworthy thing but it was just like from the parents and somehow I think that the Lord even though I, I didn't have a full mind just to like grasp all of it, I still really strongly believed. And that's been a weird thing about my life is that I, I have felt like nearly all my life I have believed, but that is so much different, feels so much different than being a follower, which I honestly wouldn't say I have been until very recently. In my experience of those that year at Houston Ballet, whenever we were together, was the exact opposite. You were the first friend, I, I like dear friend, I would say I ever had. I had friends growing up and they are dear to me and I love them so much, but you were the first person to stick with me no matter what. And I stick to the fact that after that year and we moved like we were separated, which was so sad for me. I remember thinking, if I didn't have Renee, I'm not sure I would ever, I'm not sure I would have a picture of a friend or friendship in general in which someone showed me that they would stick with me no matter what, how, how much of a punk I was and how self-centered and how I took like a whole hour or more to put on crazy makeup. <laughs> And you waited every single time. You just would chill as Kirsten and I were like being at drag queens and, you know, exploring <laughs> makeup for the first time as teenagers. And it was so horrific. But yeah, you're but so kind. I, I have to interrupt because I have to actually point out a huge fact in this story. Because the reason that I would wait for you and Kirsten to get ready is because you basically housed me that oh. whole year and because you literally drove me everywhere so once we got a car <laughs> which was later <laughs> the speaking part about that is the only reason why i had the privilege of spending that much time with you guys is because you were extremely gracious and generous with all of your resources and your love and your friendship to me from the get-go, so. Okay, eight years later, I found out that I actually held my best friend prisoner, and that's how <laughs> our friendship has gotten to this point. Okay, go on, go on. You're talking about your faith and dancing and how that progressed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, Houston actually really was influential in my faith journey, and I could talk about that for quite a while of, it was some of those clarifying moments of meeting God and him being gracious and trying to reveal himself to me at, at a time when I really, I wasn't remaining in the vine. I wasn't um, feeding on the word. I wasn't in community really, but I, I do see how much he was speaking to me that year. And then the following year, I moved away again for a different dance program. And the, that year and the remaining of that summer was my senior year. Mm -hmm. And um, it, was, it was a difficult year. This ties in my dance and my faith kind of in one. Uh, but I had decided that I didn't want to pursue ballet. And 
a large part of that was insecurity about my body. It was um, a sense of defeat because I hadn't reached whatever level of ballet technique or job offer at that point in my life that I had expected myself to. And so instead of fluctuating and being flexible and exploring different options, I had just kind of said, oh, well, if I'm not at this level at this point, I'm never going to make it. And then with insecurity. But really, when I look back, I was I was a really hurt daughter of, of the king who did not know her true father. And I, I had a lot of idea of why I didn't want to pursue ballet at that time but looking back it was out of um, a lost identity that I think I wanted to leave with and um, out of that place of not knowing who I was what I wanted to do in my life because I had always been a dancer my identity had always been that I was going to make it as a dancer I felt really lost hopeless discouraged um, and very last minute, after declining a program in California, I went to a community college in my area. And during orientation, I had decided literally because of Kelsey going to AM and being involved with a form of Christian community, I had said, all right, well, I'm going to meet some Christians. Like, I'm going to try to have friends. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I was like, I want to do what Kelsey did. Ah, that is so wild. I I had no idea. Okay, how is it that it's just so interesting? Maybe this is like a little side note asterisk for anybody listening. I would say it's worthwhile to at least pretend that you are recording a podcast with your best friend because <laughs> most likely you will learn new things and have all of these life lessons synthesized in such a mind-blowing way. I had no idea. Also, it's like it's so funny the things that um, really impacted us about each other because I look back and I'm like, well, I didn't really, I don't know if I was like really a follower of Christ and also like the church that we were going to in Houston we were going to Lakewood like Joel Olstein's church which I now fully realize doesn't preach the gospel whatsoever not sure they know it at all I'm sorry not speaking judgment just that like unfortunately the central message is not shared there but there are like a really really wonderful personal development group going on in Houston um, really wonderful. Keep up the good work. Tony Robbins is certainly threatened by your presence. Um, but anyways, maybe that was hateful. Renee, was that mean? It's a little mean. I'm so sorry. It's absolutely classic, Kelsey. And I do feel like it's one of your spiritual giftings to call <laughs> as they are. Oh, you better watch break. out. <laughs> well, bam, bam. Well, spit fire. Um, but oh, yeah. sorry. Okay, you were at this Christian organization yeah, where you participated in it. Right. So at orientation, I met a couple of people from the campus ministry that I would later join. And I signed my name up to be contacted. And the next week, I went to one of their weekly large group gatherings. It was the first of the year. And I was shooketh, as they say. <laughs> um, I had really no idea what a campus ministry was or um, what I was getting myself into, but I was very much taken aback at how many people wanted to know me, how many people immediately had an ability to love and care for me despite knowing my successes or my failures or what I could offer them. And I felt a true sense of safety. Mm -hmm. And I had had, you know, friends growing up who had loved me so well and you both being huge in that. But it was different being immersed in this bubble of people. You know, it wasn't these individuals that were pursuing me or loving me only. It was a collective unit. Yes. And because of how striking that was, I continued to go. And through that first year, it was a pretty intense immersion 
into Christian community, which I also believe is so much a part of God's plan for discipleship in in the book mm-hmm. is to be discipled through community. Um, so I don't really separate those two things, but yeah. And after that first year, um, I think my whole college journey with Jesus came story in of itself, but that's just some of the background of the dance. Um, and then I don't know if I clearly communicated this, but once I had stopped dancing my senior year, I had really stopped dancing. So when I joined, um, or started taking classes at that community college and then joined Focus, which is campus ministry, I stopped dancing. Wait, so you you got back into dance alongside yeah. Focus? How was that? Uh, how was that restarting dance? It's uh, crazy <laughs> and sweet and cool and um, hard to believe sometimes, but I. I really believe that I first met Jesus that freshman year. Wow. Started join to join Focus and I was involved with a small group and was building deep friendships through that being encouraged and spurred on and challenged in my faith in that arena. And I also was doing a one-on-one Bible study. I actually did it with another girl, so it was like a two-on-one situation, but it's a very intimate specific um, Bible study that Focus offers as a resource to to know Jesus and to know what it is to be a disciple. So that was happening. And then I was also still collectively uh, being around and immersed in a true living, dynamic, active, full of hooligan, broken humans, but beautiful Christian community. Yeah, I want to take this opportunity to ask you what encouragement you have for people. Uh, This was me for so long, and this is so many people I know that um, say, you know, I just, I don't really, I haven't found a church I really like, you know, I just, I really think that, um, you know, I believe, and I'm strong in my faith, I, um, but I, I don't have a community, and and maybe they're also not reading the word uh, very much, and or have, or for anyone who has never experienced discipleship in the model of um, having studied the Bible with someone one on one or with a, just a small small gathering of people um, diligently asking you, like just exploring the scriptures and asking, like, what do you think? What challenges do you have? Let's explore it together. Um, what would you say to those people that um, might not feel like those things are so important, community, discipleship, and whatnot? I'd kick them in the booty. Kick them in the little booty. Tiny little bum-bums and say, you must be pursuing and following Jesus on your own and also with community. And outside of bringing your faith to action, I don't believe you can actually follow Jesus and live out the life that he's asked of us. Um, I really am amazed at God's grace in my life that I was given the opportunity to be involved with the Christian community that I was. Yeah. In that, the community very much values the teachings of Jesus and I believe the more you learn about Jesus and what he taught and how he lived the more you can't live a private Christian life Mm -hmm. that your faith no longer is just a spiritual mindset but it's it's an it's a living active life of learning about and then putting into practice what Jesus calls of us, which there's so many scriptures of Jesus teaching uh, these quote unquote, like one another passages, Mm -hmm. you know, these encouragements or corrections or challenges to love one another and serve one another and to pray with one another. And there, 
there's so much language attached to both the body of Christ and how important it is that we love and serve and receive from this body, but also this idea that he calls us to love and serve and be very interconnected with people outside of the body of Christ and that our faith in God, our belief in God is not at all something that just resides in our mind or even our heart, but it must be represented uh, or represented in our life through action. Um, and if you exactly. think about even just the example of the 12 disciples, if they had you know, lived this life with God and they loved Jesus individually and, and experienced him intimately, but then decided, okay, I love God and I believe in him in their minds only, uh, the church would be in a drastically different place today. They, they experienced Jesus and they learned about him and they dwelled with him and they allowed his presence to change them to then call them out to be the church yes. with, once he ascended. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I I have so much uh, empathy and grace for those that, uh, one, can't find a church community to be a part of and don't know how to even look that or, or to find that. Um, and two, grace for people that have been hurt by the church and don't see it as a place for transformation and growth. But I would say that to be a believer in Jesus is one thing, but to be a disciple and a follower of him, it requires you to be involved in community. Yes, absolutely. And that is something that I would have been offended by. And I would think that it is not inclusive or gracious or, you know, like God is love, Renee. Like God is, you know, accepting and all these things. And and it really just came, and by the way, I would continue to be kind of offended or like, mm, your opinion, um, <laughs> until like not even that long ago. I didn't even start to actually experience discipleship until the first time in my life was starting like last October, whenever I was 24, almost 25 years old after considering myself a Christian my whole life. But um, to add on to what you were saying, I would add this uh, example that one of the women that discipled me said, like, well, I, I know you believe, Kelsey, um, but like belief, w what does that do in your life? Yeah. And I, I didn't really know how to answer, but she said, like, I, I believe that there that North Korea exists and that it's a really tough place. It has no actual effect on my daily life and how I live it and that really catapulted me like it just threw me back for a second because I thought whoa I mean that is an example that is like a gut check to say I believe but there's a whole lot of people that uh, believe but don't, aren't aren't followers yeah. um, and so many whenever I finally read through all of the book of John the book of Acts and revelation i wait revel holy crap i just got really self-conscious is it revelation or revelations wait no no, no. i'm thinking romans holy cow y'all <laughs> i'm just showing you i am humble in the faith i am but like a meek little unknowledgeable servant Stop but that. anyways <laughs> whenever i read those three books first off i know that it's revelation but i was thinking of Romans, which is a plural. Anyways, stop, <laughs> stop CYAing, Kelsey. Um, so whenever I read those books, especially in Acts, I saw how action-oriented their language is. And in all the stories, it's like, get up and be healed. Go forth, go forth, proclaim, act, you know, um, and share share the gospel message and all of those things are so action oriented and that's not just belief it's it's acting on your belief and abiding in the word and i think quite simply i just i didn't really believe in the authority or the um importance and centrality of living according to the word of god and abiding in the bible yeah i just i didn't because if i actually read it i would see that community is essential that discipleship is essential and that's something that i saw you understood light years before i did 
And so how did, because I, I know that your as you go through college and the last couple of years, honestly, it's been a very, very, very tough time to say the least. I know you've experienced a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. How has discipleship and being in community impacted you through those things? And feel free, please, to respond earnestly and not um, have to like say all the right things, although I'm sure that you will because you genuinely believe them and are a fountain of the truth. But um, I know that was such a hard time. Yeah. So how did that, how was that a part of your life, discipleship and community then? I honestly can't imagine my life outside of being in community. And I, I think for those who have experienced the true fellowship that we're called to have in the body of Christ could understand how interwoven your life becomes with other believers. That my life is no longer just my life. It's first God's life, but secondly, my choices and my pain and my victory and my successes and my confusion becomes my sister or my brother in Christ's pain or victory or success or confusion. And so the first couple of years of following Jesus that happened, um, the first two years of college, was a lot of learning in general, who is Jesus? Who is this man, Jesus? And what is a disciple? What is Christian community? What is faith? What do I believe and why do I believe it? Um, I really uh, <laughs> relate to the caterpillar and the metamorphosis stage at that point in my life. Just eating a lot. and <laughs> Eating really, a lot. Eating a lot. Um, then around the time when I uh, began, I think, maturing in a new way in my faith, is when a lot of stuff happened in my personal family and there was a mixture of trauma a mixture of grief definite feelings of rejection and abandonment um my whole life kind of flipped on its head pretty unexpectedly and through that god was so intimate and near largely for the first year through my roommates and then um, just other friends as well who love the Lord. Uh, it's a little difficult to even speak about because I'm not, I, I really don't know what I would have done without being supported and cared for and loved on so well by the body of Christ, by the, the specific community I was a part of. Um, discipleship for the first two years of my life with Christ was seeing him and then trying to follow him and, and, and moving forward in that direction. But I consider discipleship for me, once some of my harder experiences began, to be a lot more about receiving. I saw a different aspect of what it means to be a daughter of God. And how, yes, he, he asks us to give our life to him. And he asks us to pursue him. And if that means suffering and sacrifice, then glory to God for that. Which I so believe is true. And I think for me, that journey to the cross, once I experienced some of that greater pain, was receiving the love of God through community and through people that were discipling me. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly don't know what I would have done without it because it was so integral in what God was teaching me mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. I see you as such 
a giver no kidding like that's not like a you're such a sweet christian girl renee like you're such a giver like servant's heart no literally like you would give the shirt off your back you would you would do anything you would give your last dollar to someone in need uh like insane one of the most giving and sacrificially loving people i've ever met and so i am so sorry for the pain and hurt that you experienced, but I'm so glad that you have such an experience of receiving and not just giving all the time. And I know that that was a part of your life before because of this wonderful Christian community that um, gave you this picture of um, the body of Christ and also discipleship. But I'm, I'm so thankful that um, you were able to receive encouragement and love. So going back to your story with dance that, you know, it's just always been a part of your life and clearly it's come back quite strongly. Can you talk about um, how the Lord brought you back to dance and what he's been doing through it? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I can get so jazzed about it. Jazzed! <laughs> um, y'all can just insert your own imagery of both of us doing jazz hands at that moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so once I started following Jesus actively and grew to believe that I was a disciple and that I, I chose to be a disciple and I wanted to um, accept that as my identity, I had assumed that I was no, no longer going to be dancing. Part of my discipleship journey in the early stages was really letting go of dance. It had been an idol my whole life. I had not only given my life truly time and, and efforts um, and intentionality towards dance, but I found, again, like I had mentioned before, that my identity as a dancer. So when I began to understand that God asks us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to follow him, dance was something that I knew I needed to lay at his feet. So it was at that point that I kind of surrendered dance to him and then assumed, okay, well, dance was something that he was gracious to let me experience and that it taught me so much and gave me so much, but that my life now is centered on Jesus and dance isn't a part of that. Well, come to find out. Different plans. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I remember dance kind of popping its head up the the end of my sophomore year and kind of my junior year. I had different experiences where um, people would ask me to teach a dance class informally. I was interning with a nonprofit and there was some dance opportunities like that. And then I was connected with a woman who introduced me to the whole idea of dance therapy which I was extremely intrigued about from the get-go. And then I actually started teaching dance my senior year of college. Um, It's actually technically my fourth year because I did five years of college. Yeah, girl. Um, You're so dedicated, doing more than the the average, I guess. (laughs) Definitely not true. But... um, but anyway, so dance had reared its little its little head in my life. But my my fifth year of of school of uni, um, in a time of prayer, I believe in faith that the Lord said, "I never said no to dance, and don't say my no for you." And I was really struck by that because I had honestly laid down dance. And I had laid down this idea that I was going to perform professionally. Um, I had felt excited about um, other avenues that I thought he was maybe going to take me down. But at that time, it was, you know, the fall semester of my final year of school. And I was like, what the heck does this mean? (laughs) Um, But I through a whole process of praying a little bit more about that and seeking the body of Christ's wisdom and advice, um, I began taking dance classes in the Dallas area, and that led to me dancing with 
uh, two different small local uh, dance communities in the area and had little performance opportunities that spring and then in faith went to a bunch of auditions for dance companies and such. Um, and all of this was without understanding that I would be at a dance company or make it still, but it was honestly out of a faith and an obedience to at least get those auditions because I felt God had called me to that. And then, um, yeah, I auditioned for the company I'm a part of now, having no idea what, um, what he would be up to, but that following summer I was offered the contract and there's even so much of what God was speaking to me about and doing in my life that spring semester of my final year but ultimately um, I believe he he called me back into the dance world as a sent one and knew that I needed the time away and the space to really grow my identity in him and to step into being his daughter first and then sending me out with those tools and, and the resources to fulfill, I believe, one of my life purposes, which is to be a light in the concert dance world um, and to really love on broken dancers who don't know the father yet. Oh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. And can we just like, as an aside talk about how it's not just like oh cool um really glad that worked out for you Renee and you got a contract at a professional dance company uh, living the dream it is there's no other way than it being the Lord that you got this contract because there's a few things that make it very unlikely one being that didn't you tell me it's always just been 12 dancers yeah. and they created a 13th spot for you Yes. <laughs> that was crazy. Also, it's it's a a, a troupe of African American dancers and you are Caucasian. I am, sure it's enough. Pretty crazy. And I'm I'm sure that um I I'm so thankful for um the testimony that you've been to me and I'm sure many others to be so so dedicated and humble to just listen and say, I see you, I hear you in racial reconciliation um, and be a light to that, to, to other people that just don't understand. You've had to call me out so many times on my ignorance of like me thinking that, oh, no, no, no. Like I, I'm so supportive of, um, and I understand and I see, uh, turns out that's like not the thing to say to someone um, who is any in any kind of minority situation to say I understand because I don't understand at all and so your posture of um, consistently leaning into and embracing the I don't understand so I will just listen and say I see you I hear you and support um, that posture that you have it I, I think it's so profound um, so I, I thank you for that and is there anything else that you would like to add on top of that just um, to anyone like me who just, I've, can you add additional insight or a message of um, encouragement and I don't know, maybe even rebuke to people who are in the majority? I'm just going to say it like white people, um, given the perspective that you've had expanded through your experience. I think you communicated everything that I would initially think of, um, which is to recognize your privilege, to recognize what white identity is, to recognize white superiority in our society, um, both on the macro and the micro levels, and to acknowledge that in your privilege and in your um, identity as a majority, to know you will not understand mm -hmm. marginalized or oppressed people groups, you know, whether that's socioeconomics or race or gender mm -hmm. um, or yeah. any other 
categorically marginalized people group. Um, you won't understand, but that at all is not a cop-out answer to not seek to understand. Yes. And I think with, with a deep commitment to empathy and humility, I believe seeking to understand other people's narratives is absolutely paramount in following Jesus even. Um, yes. I believe his heart and mission to transform and redeem individual lives and lives collectively and creation calls us to seek to understand. Um, and so there are now so many resources online, um, in faith communities, um, through even social media to to expose yourself to narratives that are different than your own and to, to bridge a gap of misunderstanding. And so if someone is not actively seeking to understand the racial narrative that people experience in America, then start by at least doing something <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. reading a book or listening to a podcast or um, even doing some self-reflection on your friend groups and who you relate to and who you seek to understand now because I I really I don't think I don't think you can follow Jesus and not care about this issue in our country. yes yeah and so many issues like it too like we're not I think that you said something so profound in saying that uh, I don't understand and I won't understand because of my point of privilege that I've grown up in. Um, that is not a cop-out answer to not seek to understand. And I think it's so important that you said that because you, uh, we could say that of many, many things, even parts of uh, the faith and Christianity that I don't understand. I don't understand how God could send someone to hell. I don't understand free will versus uh, divine intervention. I don't understand all these things. That is not a cop-out answer. You can't just sit with that. Like, I truly believe that the Bible can hold up to your questions. And so try it, test against it. We're called to do that. Read the word and take it seriously enough that, um, the spirit can reveal things to you yeah. through the pursuit of, you know, our, we have finite minds. And so we're just not going to understand a lot of things. But if, especially if there's a, something you don't understand that is stopping you from a full, um, really connected relationship with the Lord, don't stay in, I don't understand. Seek, the Bible says, I think it's Matthew chapter seven, seek and seek and ask and knock and gosh I'm forgetting all the words in between those things it's like seek and you shall find ask and it shall be given to you knock and the door shall be opened to you, on, you that, it says that and so don't just sit in the I don't understand I'm so glad that you said that but if before I get too carried away with a, any kind of sermon that I'm probably not qualified to give <laughs> um, it, so. <laughs> I, I want to ask you what is your your idea of your calling and then how what would you encourage other people who are trying to understand what their calling is how would you encourage them yeah I'll start with the um second question I'd encourage people to seek Jesus learn mm -hmm. who Jesus is and that can be super generalized and that can feel lofty um it can maybe even seem uh simple minded but i really believe that our faith begins with knowing who jesus is that he is the image of the invisible god that he is god fully manifested to make himself known to us through a physical dwelling so uh, I don't believe you can understand the calling of God and the purpose he has for your life individually until you know the calling that he has for all of his children and the purpose he has for all of his children. 
Absolutely. That has to come first and foremost. If you're looking for your calling just to hopefully get the end result of a happy or purposeful or fulfilled life without knowing the one that gives it, the one that calls, like you just, I would encourage you to just say that I'm following my passion because you're not following a calling without a caller giving you a calling. And that's just like a coined term calling really, because if you actually do a word study in the Bible, it is almost, uh, I would say like at least 97, 98% of the time, it is only relating to our primary calling to faith, to follow Jesus and to live a faithful life of following the great commission, which is to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in his name um, so they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to have to paste that verse in the show notes to make sure I ain't botching it. But um, true, it's Matthew 28. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. But um, uh, the the way that we use calling and, you know, the way I honestly use calling um, is just to kind of use a shortcut word to say the the guidance of the Father to act out your faith through your whole life and a primary opportunity in that is your career. Mm-hmm. But that only, that's secondary. Mm-hmm. The unique calling is only secondary to you responding to the first call to faith, which you're so clearly, uh, you've been such a clear example of, and I'm so thankful because I'm the one that was just looking for the fulfillment and purpose without the one who gives it. Mm. I definitely relate to that. I've done that throughout my life of following Jesus too. I think that's a temptation for sure. Um, Just a little caveat to maybe a more practical a step that someone could take if they're trying to figure out like, okay, I believe in God. I love God, but I don't know how to figure out what he wants for me or what I should do or blah, blah, blah. Read the gospels, Matthew, Mm -hmm. Mark, Luke, or John sit and, and read one um, in a concentrated amount of time, or even you can spread it out into a week too, but just to understand the holistic story of Jesus, I think is really imperative to starting to move your feet towards him. I think another thing is to be involved in a community, which that is difficult if you can't find a church community, but you don't know exactly even what you're looking for anyways, to not give up and at least um, trying to meet people when you are around a community that could potentially be somewhere you could serve and love. Um, and then to pray, (laughs) I know it sounds so simple, but, um, I believe that the Holy Spirit is a hundred percent a part of knowing the calling on your life that you have to be able to listen and not just to speak, pray, but, you know, like a really a tuning in a a listening in to what he is speaking to you um, and asking of you. So I think that was kind of all over the place, but no, 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 no. Sermon taking notes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Love it. Um, And then my calling, I honestly don't uh, yet think that God has called me to just one thing. But I do believe he has called me to Dallas Black Dance Theater, at least for the um, initial foreseeable future. Um, I believe that he's called me to participate in how he's advancing the kingdom through the company. I believe he's called me to love on and serve the other company members as well as the audience members that are exposed to her performances. And I believe that um, he's called me there to understand uh, at a deeper level what reconciliation can look like. So that's what I believe my calling is for this season. But I also really feel that I'm called um, to be a part of transformation in my personal family's life. And I believe that I'm called um, to, uh, to fight for certain people groups that's a whole yes. other story, but to be an advocate. So we're going to have to do part two, part yeah. three, part <laughs> 100, because I just always want to be talking to you, Renee. Um, and I think that your, what you're saying is 
also so incredibly pertinent because it shows a picture that it is by no means that you have missed the mark and you have not found your one life's calling because that idea is completely false actually and I'm sorry if like me using a shortcut term which is calling in the singular um, is actually a bit confusing but I think what you're saying is it's completely true to the Christian life of faith that we're intended it's it's callings it is acting out your life in a manner of being faithful yeah and so the lord calls us to certain jobs the lord calls us even to a certain restaurant on a certain day to be that one person that speaks to someone in need the lord calls you to minister to your family I mean, so many of these things are just quite like blatantly clear in the word. And that's where um, we could find instruction for the majority of things that we would deem callings. It's just clear instruction from the word. But for anything else, our individual little callings here or there um, to speak to your family, to um, witness in your job, to be in a certain place or move to a certain city, um, you hit the nail on the head and that you need to be in tune with the spirit who who gives us those, those guidances. So Renee, I love you more than those words could encapsulate my feelings for you. I'm so thankful for your friendship. I'm so thankful for your example. And I'm very, very thankful that you gave your time to share uh, with anyone who listens. So thank you. I love you. Adios. (laughs) 